So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure your photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast where we teach you how to grow your photography business if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog posts check out sixfigurephotography.com now here's your host ben hartley Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Six Figure Photography Podcast. My name is Ben Hartley. You guys, thank you for spending this time uh, giving me attention, giving your business attention, because the entire purpose of this podcast is to help you to grow your business. One of the main ways that we do this, by the way, is through continually understanding that um, your salary, your, your earnings are directly related to how well you serve your leads. That's what we so uh, deeply believe in here at SFP. On today's episode, we have Ilea Owning. You guys, this is a truly fascinating and interesting episode. Ilea has chosen to live in her car. Ilea is a photographer. She works full-time at a graphic design studio and still has chosen to live in her car. And we get into exactly understanding why, why she's made this choice and how it's benefited her. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how, um, how simplifying her life uh, has given Ilea a perspective. We're going to be talking about um, how she eliminated 100% of her student loans in a single year. We're going to talk about disrupting patterns in your life to accomplish your dreams, overcoming fear to take the leap uh, in, in, in your life, in your career path, and the choices that you uh, want to see happen in your world. And then as well, how to reverse engineer your goals and make them happen it's, a, it's really a fascinating, it's a beautiful episode. I can't wait for you guys. I'm going to stop talking. We're going to jump right in and talk to Ilea. Ilea Owning, welcome to the SFP podcast. How are you, girl? I'm doing very well. How about yourself? I am amazing. Last night was a little interesting for the uh, for many of the listeners. They're kind of aware uh, we're on baby watch right now. My my wife uh, is going to be having twins here soon enough. And last night was the very first night where we were like, Oh, oh my God. Is this it? What's happening? No, maybe. Yes. Anyhow, but I'm doing, I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. Ilea, where, where are we talking from? Where are you at today? Uh, today I am in my office in Grandview, uh, work for a production company here. Nice. So Grandview to give, uh, the listeners, uh, kind of a, an idea of where we're at. So I'm based out of Columbus, Ohio and Grandview is is like a suburb of Columbus, Ohio. And so we're like, you should have just come by the, the Style and Story Creative Office, actually, <laughs> rethinking this a little bit. You should have just like drove 20 minutes, hopped over here, and we could have like met in person and done this. But that's all right. We'll get lunch. We'll get coffee. There you go. Yeah, that'll work out. <laughs> 
All right, Aaliyah. So can I, man, there's so much to talk about. This is, this is an episode that I've been so excited about. I, um, I was scrolling through my Instagram feed and we had the opportunity to meet what, three or so years ago to talk about photography. And then I was scrolling through my Instagram feed and I saw your name on there again. And I saw that you were up to some really interesting uh, things it, and really indeed. interesting big things too. And um, and I kind of got lost and I kind of got fascinated and I started digging in and, and watching your YouTube videos and watching uh, what you're sharing with the world. And and so uh, I've kind of alluded enough here. I want you to to kind of explain um, what what it was that caught my attention. Well, um, back in 2012. So what is that? Two, no, not 2012. It was three, two, two and a half, three years ago. I think um, my timeline's a little messed up. I haven't had all my coffee yet. That's but right. uh, about two and a half years ago, I decided to move into my car and live out of it. Um, and I lived out of it for the following year. And it was this little, just uh, four-door sedan. It wasn't like a big car or anything. So uh, it was a little bit of a game of Tetris moving into that. But um I wanted to do it as an experiment to kind of see and test out uh, this lifestyle minimalism. Um, at the time, you know, I was renting an apartment and I was spending a lot um, on rent and rent just keeps seem- seeming to grow and grow and grow. Um, and I was, I was working full time, but of course I had this dream of owning my own business and being sustainable off of that. But it was it, just all these different factors. I was having a really hard time seeing myself um, get to this end goal that I had. So I looked at that situation and thought, well, what are the steps that I need to do to get there? Uh, one of them was getting rid of my student loan debt, you know, because that bill was um, kind of a shackle around my ankle. Uh, and then the other, it, it was just this general idea of kind of reducing my overhead as a human being. I mean, it's the same kind of concept that you would apply to any business budget. Um, if I want to make more profit, one way to make more profit is to reduce my overhead. So Amen. I, uh, I started looking into different um, housing arrangements and was it better to buy a house? And then I started looking at tiny houses. And just through my research process, I ended up finding a small group of people that were actually living in their vehicles. Um, and I had lived in some different kinds of setups in the past. So living minimalistically was, was not a foreign idea to me. Um, and so it took me a couple months of just kind of brainstorming and wondering, can I do this? Is this crazy? Is this going to work? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I, I gave it a shot and I was successful. I lived in my car for a year. Um, paid off all my student loan debt in that year. And um, now I am looking at, I just purchased a van and retrofitting that out to kind of be a little tiny house on wheels. Um, And now this is going to become more of a permanent uh, living situation for me. So. Wow. Wow. This, I mean, I have so many questions now. There's so much follow-up to this. And so, um, my goodness, where do we go? For starters, um, I love the fact that you were self-aware enough to recognize what it was that you wanted in your life. 
and then had the ability to reverse engineer uh, what it was that you wanted and and how you were going to accomplish it, what stood in your way, and then the willingness to sacrifice. And we're going to talk about sacrifice here in a little bit because yeah, I even might be saying the word sacrifice, and and maybe that's you're coming to understand that it's really maybe not as much. I'm not sure, but we'll talk about that. So mm-hmm. I want to I want to discuss that uh, here in a little bit. But let's even start from the beginning. You mentioned that you had uh, you had lived in. Um, uh, experience living in, in more simplified terms. And so I'm curious about that. I'm also, I, I want to push further. Like what, what really made you want to simplify your life? Was it really, I mean, did you really just simply uh, reverse engineer what it was that you wanted and recognize that the debt and the overhead in your life was a massive thing that stood in your way? Or is there anything deeper that's going on there that you felt like simplification was something that you wanted for yourself? I mean, that's a piece of it, but, and I've actually been asking myself that question over the past couple of months, like, what was it that really started all this? Um, cause I think it honestly started for me a long time ago, maybe when I was, I think I was like 15 or 16. Um, I was really blessed with the opportunity to go spend a summer in South Africa with a small group of people. And, um, that was just one of those moments you, you know, you have these moments in your life where there's like, it's life before this. And then there's life after this and you're never Mm -hmm. the same. Um, and this was one of those experiences for me. And I remember going down there and it was the first time that I saw a culture that was totally different than me, but I also saw, um, I saw poverty. I saw people who had nothing when you compared it to the lifestyle that I lived. Um, and, and poverty is, is a problem and everybody has basic needs, you know, food and shelter that, that need to be met. But there was this thing that I noticed towards the end of my trip. Um, there was a small neighborhood that we, we spent about a weekend and then kind of getting to know some of the people there. And I, even these people that had absolutely nothing, there were these moments of sheer joy, like joy so pure and so deep. I had never seen anything like it before. And, and even though they had struggles and, and they needed um, some, some more of their, like I said, their base needs met in their life, what it did for me is it let me recognize that joy does not come from things. And joy does not come from, um, it just doesn't come from material things. It doesn't even come from a roof over my head necessarily. And so I think that is the first instance, um, that kind of set my mind like on this track. Um, and then flash forward, there were, you asked about a couple other experiences that I, uh, had, had lived in a minimalistic way. I spent about a year in Haiti, um, after the earthquake and I lived out of a backpack and on a cot in a tent and I was perfectly happy all of my need, You know, I did have shelter that kept me, you know, dry <laughs> when it was raining and I had food in my belly and I had clothes on my back. Um, and I didn't necessarily miss any of the luxuries from my life back here. So those were some of the experiences that, um, that I think kind of changed the trajectory for me. That's beautiful. I'm I'm curious to hear where um where you've uh come to believe that joy joy comes from. And before I put you on the spot with that, I just even want to acknowledge something. I think this is something. This is a um 
a question that I don't believe there is like, I don't believe that you have like the answer for. And I think it's something that you're going to continue to evolve and discover. But as you've done this and as you've uh, experienced cultures outside of your own and as you've experienced um, uh, hardships outside of what we experience here in the United States and even that we experience here in the U.S., anyhow, um, this is something that you, it'll continue to evolve and develop. And even my answer, I, I want to share my answer as well. But I'm curious, where do you now see joy coming from? That is a really big, deep question that I don't know if I have one answer for. Um, I think it's something that I'm discovering over the course of my life. Uh, I mean, for me personally, the things that give me joy um, are relationships, uh, people in my life, my, my family, um, my faith gives me an immense amount of joy. Um, and I think those things also teach me how to be more joyful um, and gratitude, being thankful for the things that are in my life and the experiences that I get to have. When I posture myself in a place of gratitude, I find that I have you know, more joy. So, but as you mentioned, I, I think over the course of my life, I'm discovered, it's like a iceberg, you know, you just keep going mm-hmm. deeper and deeper and you find out, Oh, well that's part of it too. <laughs> yes. You know, yes, so totally but what, w- what would you say? I mean, what yeah, have you I, this is something that I, you know, again, it's a, it's a continual evolution and I'll, I'll add to this and I'll change it and I'll turn it over and who knows, maybe I'll go completely the opposite direction someday. I don't know. But I, I feel like I've, I, even as you share um, your experiences, I see this in your own life as well. I think that for many people, we have an idea. Let, let's even talk about what what the, and this is a, a generalization, but I think a generalization for people is that joy looks like um, convenience and that joy looks like uh, being able to relax and joy looks like not having any problems uh, in your world, right? Joy looks like comfort. And I mm-hmm. think that's the, that may be the, the immediate uh, kind of thought that pops to mind. But I've come to believe that joy is um, the result of having problems to solve. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I want to add to that is having problems to solve with other people. Right, joy is not the absence of problems, uh, but joy is actually having a life that's full of problems that you're able to solve and that you're able to move forward in. Right, it gives you uh, that, that it's accomplishment. Right, um, but then solving those problems with other people—that's uh, what I think joy is. That's what I think happiness comes from. Not just sitting around, not just luxury, uh, but actually having having lives or having problems to have. And this is why I think you know, for many people, when they hit retirement. Um, retirement isn't what they, they thought it would be because they always thought retirement would be this thing of you don't have to work and you don't have to do anything and you can just sit back. And I think for many people, retirement is sad. Uh, and then they Uh go and they find some problems and they find some problems to solve. And ideally you find problems to solve with other people. Uh, that's where I'm currently at in my discovery of happiness and joy. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think actually, I'm really glad I had this conversation with you because I think you were able to put something in a word that I wasn't. Um, but I would absolutely agree with that. You know, when I imagine myself retiring, I, I, I don't, I couldn't just sit on a beach and sip my ties. I would feel worthless. And I think that's, um, what you're talking about. Solving problems is where we get a lot of our sense of our own value. Um, do I bring value to the world around me? Um, and if I do, then I can, I can sit in that and I can own that, you know? Um, I, yeah. And I think this whole, this whole experiment of mine of living in a car, living in a van, 
Um, and you talk about convenience, you know, not all of it is convenient, to be honest, and not all of it is particularly fun all the time. Um, but I am solving one of my own problems. And, and that part of it, I think, does give me a, a great amount of joy. So, yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. Nice. Let's let's kind of go back here. I don't want to talk about um, uh, I mentioned reverse engineering what you wanted in life and what it was going to take to get there. So, again, you, you know, you you are a photographer. Um, and so is that what you wanted to do full time? Um, it has been for most of my life, most of my adult life. When I got into photography, I came to OSU as a nursing student and that was, I just wanted to help people at the time. Um, but my, my mom was a very wise woman. She knew me well. She knew that I was a creator and she said, I just want you to take an art class. And so I did. And I fell in love with photography and I fell in love with the ability to tell stories and when I got into it, my big dream was that I wanted to still tell stories that mattered. I wanted to give voice to people who didn't have voice, who didn't have the opportunity to speak up like I like I do. Um, and so I think all of my career has been about, okay, how do I get to that place where I can do that and sustain myself as a human being? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, for many photographers listening, um, they have financial burden. It's one of the things that's keeping many photographers from going full time, right? They, there's debt, there's um, mortgages to pay, there's bills to pay, and for many too, um, it's also 100% justified because you you do have the luxury of of not having a family support. And I know there's many photographers who who have a family to support, mm-hmm. and so um, I I'm empathetic towards that. Um, but you you are able to do something that many people weren't able to do if they had the choice to do it. And that's, you were able to go backwards, to go backwards uh, in essentially in life, uh, to, in your commodities, in your conveniences. Um, and that take, I mean, that's really challenging, right? As soon as, as soon as you obtain, you know, your iPhone and your, your internet connection and your hot water and, you know, all, all of these things that many of us experience, it's really hard to move backwards. And I find it really interesting because I think for many people, uh, happiness could be on the other side, right? Mm-hmm. Happiness could be going backwards. Happiness could be the thing, uh, or going backwards could be the thing that will allow you to free you up from from some of the financial burden that you have that's keeping you from doing what you would love to do. Can you talk about that moving backwards uh, in life, uh, moving backwards in commodities and conveniences? Um, and I, and I'm curious how how hard of a struggle was that for you? Um, and uh, have you ever thought of it that way, moving backwards? Um, I didn't think of it exactly in those terms, but, but yes, uh, simplifying, you know, minimizing, you know, living with less, um, there's, and it's becoming kind of a topic that I think more and more people are talking about, you know, you've got the, I don't know if you've heard of them, but the minimalists at the minimalist.com I've written a couple of books and, um, I've been on tour. And so I think the general population is starting to talk about this, you know, is less actually more kind of idea, Um, But yeah, another way to say that would be to step backwards, you know, because our, our life, especially our professional lives are typically about accumulating and getting this mound that just keeps growing and growing and growing so that by the end of your life, you've got the biggest mound. Well, 
what if by the end of my life I have a really, really small amount, but I, I look out into the world and I see all these people that I've given stuff away to or given opportunities to or given that voice to or, um, you know, instead of just keeping it all for myself. So, um, yeah, it was it wasn't maybe as challenging for me as it might be for some people. And, and that's just from talking to some friends of mine. Um, as we've talked about this lifestyle, you know, they might say like, oh, I can't imagine ever doing that. Well, minimalism isn't about necessarily living in a car or choosing to, you know, live in like a poverty mentality. It's not about that. It's about really evaluating everything in your life and saying, does this bring me joy? Does this bring me value? And B, is it helping me get me to where I want to go? And if not, then why is it in my life? Because it requires time, money, and energy to maintain that thing in my life. Um, you know, for somebody, I think this is a good example I've heard before. If, if somebody really loves their coin collection and it brings them joy and they sit down and they get it out every day and they go through it and they love sharing that with people and it creates community for them, then don't get rid of it. But if you've just got this coin collection, you know, filling a file cabinet and every month you're spending $200 on coins, but you never, you never open it up and look at it and enjoy that, then why are you putting that financial burden on yourself? And that's a really obscure um, example, but it was those kinds of questions that I think I started to ask myself. All right, you guys, I got to pause here just for a hot second, if that's okay. I need I need to have the opportunity to thank a huge supporter of the SFP podcast. And so I just want to jump into this. Look, we're, we're all photographers, yes, but we are also business owners. How many of you guys, uh, you know, you're, you're just racing against the clock. You've got three weddings that need called and edited. You've got to email two clients, call another, uh, you know, tackle the mountain of other, of other paperwork, taxes, whatever it may be. You guys, this is the life that we have as a solopreneur, as freelance photographers. And while this is challenging, our friends at FreshBooks believe that it's worth it. So do I. I, I so believe that being a solopreneur, owning your own business, that it's worth it, that we can overcome these odds. You guys, the world has changed. Like the way that we we do business, the way that the internet has changed everything there, there's now so many opportunities to actually be a full-time photographer, to be a solopreneur, right? And so to meet this need, FreshBooks, they redid everything. They've they've launched an all new version of their cloud accounting software. Uh, and it has been redesigned from the ground up, custom built for exactly everything that you need the way that you need it, right? This will be one of the simplest ways uh, to become more organized, uh, more productive, and I guess most importantly, to get paid uh, on time, right? FreshBooks is incredibly easy to use. It's so powerful. Uh, within it, you can create invoices within 30 seconds. I'm Prior to this, you know, I would just hop on uh, Google and just search like invoice template, right? But you can do all your invoicing right here within 30 seconds. Uh, you can set up online payments uh, within just a couple of clicks. 
products uh, get paid up to four days faster than other softwares. And I think the coolest thing is you can actually see when your client has visited, they've seen the invoice, uh, and you know when the money is going to be coming in. You guys, super cool of FreshBooks. They're offering a 30-day completely unrestricted. This isn't one of those limited trial things, like a full 30-day trial to all of you guys, to the SFP audience. Um, here's what you need to do. To claim it, you need to go to freshbooks.com backslash photography. And then you just need to enter uh, six-figure photography. That's S-I-X, six-figure photography in the how did you hear about us section. I'll drop links down below for you guys so you can just be able to click right through. All right, let's jump back in. So you're, uh, how old are you? I am about to turn 31 in like a week. (laughs) Okay, cool. So you started this journey in your 20s. And Mm -hmm. so I'm curious... Um, I mean, when I think of minimalism, when I think of a simplified lifestyle, I don't usually think of a 20 year old (laughs) or someone in their twenties. Uh, and what do you think it was that, that gave you, uh, this, uh, I'm going to call it wisdom beyond your years, right? Uh, where did that come from? Oh, that's, uh, that's a very good question. I had a great mother who did a really good job of not sugarcoating life for me. (laughs) Um, and she taught me, she taught me how to think and how to take risks, but how to think through those risks, um, and how to problem solve, I think. Mm Uh, and I could probably attribute most of that to her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Likewise. I, yeah. I totally agree. Uh, big thank you. Big shout out to all the moms out there, uh-huh. including my wife, who's now a mom. <laughs> it's fun. Now you have a, you know, we have a daughter and I'm sure the, you know, the, the parents who are listening to this, like around my daughter, I, you know, I call Leslie, my wife, um, mommy. <laughs> it's so weird, but in the proper <laughs> context, it makes complete sense. Anyhow, I digress. So here we go. I, I'm curious. So you, you found benefits from doing this. You found benefits in reducing your, um, your, your overhead. You were able to pay off your, your college debt, your student loans within a year. I love this. What were some of the other benefits that you've experienced from this huge lifestyle shift? Um, for that year that I was living in my car, one of the main things, it was, it was one of my goals when I was stepping into it, I was hoping that it would have this effect on my life and it actually ended up being true, is that I spent more time in relationship. Um, I spent more time with friends that I loved dearly, but I just, you know, I was always working and I was always, I had like two and a half jobs at the time. Um, so I was constantly working and my relationships suffered. And because I minimized my overhead, I minimized how much money I had to make. Therefore, I had more free time. Therefore, I was able to invest in those relationships and make them stronger. Um, and that that was a, a huge, a huge benefit from it as well. Um, just time. I had freedom. I think that is really like, if you get down to the root of it, this whole, like going backwards, less is more. The root of it is that you get freedom to choose. You get freedom to choose how you want to spend your time and your resources and what effect you want to have in the world around you. Hmm. I think something, um, so I want to talk a little bit more about freedom because I think uh, I think probably the gut reaction for many people when you tell them this is they they put this in their own life and they think that it's a reduction of freedom, right? That like mm-hmm. things are maybe becoming closed in a little bit more or li- or, or limited, right? Um, what are some of the limitations that you have experienced? <laughs> let's let's be honest. Let's not sugarcoat the whole thing. Right. Um, what are some of the struggles and some of the limitations that you've had to kind of overcome and and again problem solve, right? 
Um, well, I, I think I came up with a plan for most of them before I did it. But some of the uh, things that I had to plan for, like I didn't have a shower in the car, you know, so it it was annoying to have to drive all the way up to Clintonville to Planet Fitness, which is where I had a gym membership. Um, and so that's where I showered. Um, so yeah, it was annoying maybe to drive up there every day, but what I was gaining out of it, that little annoyance, you know, I had a decision to make. Was I willing to put up with the annoyance or was I willing to spend the next 30 years in debt, paying off these student loans and living under that? Well, if it meant a 20 minute drive up to Clintonville for a year, I was perfectly okay doing that. Um, cooking was a setback. That was also another inconvenience. I didn't have a refrigerator, so I, I couldn't, you know, store food. Um, so I was having to go to the grocery store every day and kind of change. So it changed, it upset and changed the rhythms of my life. And mm -hmm. convenience is one of the things that, um, I just, I didn't, not anything really, nothing was convenient at the time. Um, but I did grow accustomed to that. After a little while of doing it, it did become my new normal. Um, and so, and the benefits that I was getting from it, and I was seeing this goal, you know, I set this mark out in the distance and I said, you know, this is where I want to get with this. And I was seeing that number. I mean, I was putting, you know, three, $4,000 on a student loan, like one month in one payment. And that felt so good because I just watched these numbers dwindle. So it was helpful that it was a measurable goal for me because it gave me the, um, the motivation to, to keep going. And it made those little things that were inconvenient that much less inconvenient. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to draw further attention to that. Like j just to be clear in case we haven't made this clear, this has not been choosing, um, a poverty mindset, choosing a poverty lifestyle because you're still like, um, you are working, right? And you're working mm -hmm. in multiple facets. You're working your full-time job. You're shooting photography still. This isn't um, relying on, you know, the government for things and just kind of throwing in the towel. And uh, I just want to make that clear to the audience. Right. Like what you're doing here is is incredibly intentional and and uh, and you're working hard. <laughs> so I love that. I love it. So you you brought up something here. You brought up the fact that um, this was a disruptor, right? Like what what occurred here when you realized that you needed to solve these problems? Like this this was a disruptor in your life. And I've been talking a lot about this because um, for many photographers, I mean, just for like for all humanity, we are people of habit. We are creatures of habit, right? And we go for many photographers, they go to like a workshop or a conference and they get super jazzed up and they get that little mini disruptor in their life, right? Mm -hmm. That, um, that they pull themselves out of their normal, but then they go back and they settle back into, to their old habits. And I've been trying to encourage photographers. If you, if you want to change, if you need to get more clients, if you need to raise your prices, if you want to go full-time with your photography, if you want to get better at what you do, um, that you need to start, uh, disrupting your life with, with things, with something, right? For me, it was, uh, forcing myself to get up at four 30 in the morning. It became a, it disrupted the patterns of, of my life. It changed the behavior and it, and it gave me choices that, I now had to to make that were new and fresh. And that's essentially what you've done just to an extreme degree. Um, can you talk a little bit more about disrupting the habits and the behaviors of our life in order to find success, in order to find joy, in order to find the what we actually want? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I will go ahead and say that I honestly look at people like you who, you know, with the 4 a.m. and making these small adjustments, people who have the self-will to do that, like I envy them because humanity struggles with with self-control and and our own wealth, you know, because we always want to slide back into what's easy. I think we're all built that way. So I look at people who accomplish those like little changes and and I wish uh, like I could be like that. For me, I'm really stubborn. <laughs> so I kind of had to do something in an extreme manner to force myself into a situation that it wasn't as easy to slide back into because I knew myself well enough to know that I would do that. Um, so with this kind of transition, it was like a massive bandaid that I ripped off. It disrupted everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if that's uh, no, it totally. I don't is. know if I, I want to like prescribe that for everybody, but it was a method that worked for me. Um, and if you sure. know yourself and you know that it's so easy to slip back into your old patterns, I would say, well, then what what is what is something that you can do that is not so easy to get out of? Like, how do you make yourself accountable to that, or kind of stuck in that change that you want to see happen? Yeah. I mean, for me, just to to kind of stay on this topic of disruption uh, and maybe a way that is not that what you've done is impractical, but maybe for a way that's a little like, you know, baby steps moving into disrupting your life. I mean, it, it could honestly start because I know you. I know you, audience. I know what you're up to because I'm just like you guys, right? Uh, maybe it starts with just deleting the Facebook app on your phone. And I know what you're saying, but I need it for business. No, you need Facebook pages. You need messages for your business. You don't need your personal account on your phone. It can save uh, for your desktop or for your laptop. But that's something that I've done, right? Mm-hmm. I've, I've deleted it. And it's not a masochistic thing. It's a recognition that if I want what I, what I actually want in life, if I want joy, if I want success, if I want these things – then I'm going to need to disrupt the patterns of my life. I'm going to need to actually change things up. And so I deleted it from my phone, not as punishment, but as of, as of choice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even even the getting up early thing, it started out, it didn't start at 4.30, it started out you know, at 6, and then it went to 5.30, right? And it kept kind of going further and further the other direction. Um, so those are, I mean, those are a couple ideas uh, of things uh, that you could do. But I think so much of it too is, is is accountability and putting it out there and making those type of commitments. Uh, my my best encouragement would actually be writing it down and placing it where you're going to see it every day, right? Actually committing something to paper. And uh, I don't know when you I, you guys have heard me say this so many times. But when you put something from ink or from lead to paper, it makes a difference. It what? really does. Rather than just kind of saying it to yourself, yeah, I'm going to start doing that. No, you're not. BS. That's, that's BS. You're not going to start doing it. Write it down. Tell the world, right? Uh, and then start doing something about it. How did you start doing this? How did you make that like that? I mean, was it just like a leap? Did you decide like, I just got to go for it. F it. I'm jumping. What did you do? Well, and that's where you start to talk about, you know, risk. And I was kind of thinking about this leading up to our conversation because um, this is kind of a risky thing to do, right? Uh, and it, it took me about two or three months to plan it plan this out, you know, because there's, there's risk just for risk's sake. And then there's intentional risk. I'm going to take this risk because so for a couple months leading up to it, I thought through all my obstacles. I thought through all my challenges. I got, you know, my closest friends and family and I set them down. I said, okay, here's this crazy idea that I think I'm going to do. What do you think? Um, How did that, let's pause there for a minute. How did that go over? Because uh, but just to be clear, before we before we go, because what you decided is a crazy idea. Look, I remember like I think for many photographers, 
saying to their spouse, saying to their parent, saying to mom and dad, saying to your brother and sister, saying to your boss, hey, I'm going to I'm going to quit and I'm going to be a full time photographer. Hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to start my own business. I think for many people, they, they looked at us and said, you're crazy. Good luck. You're going to make money as an artist, right? And so I I want to connect those two because they are actually pretty similar. I think for many photographers, we've had that experience of explaining to our loved ones that we're going to make a career out of photography. And they looked at us like, okay, so what did that look like for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So one of the things is that I I try to surround myself with people who absolutely want to see me succeed in my dreams. Yes. Um, So I'm not fighting that battle. I'm not trying to convince somebody to be in my corner. I already know that they are in my corner and those are the people that get to be in my inner circle. Um, so when I went to them with this, I already knew that they wanted me to succeed. They were skeptical. Um, they did have questions, but it was more that they wanted to make sure that I had thought through it and that I was set up the best to succeed. And I found that to actually be very helpful, um, because it did, they did bring up maybe things that I hadn't thought about, um, you know, and what will happen? Is this the right time? Have you thought about this, etc.? And it was all very positive. Um, and once I did explain to them my plan and all the things that I had put in place to deal with possible obstacles and challenges that would come my way, then they they became very supportive and they were like, "All right, we're behind you, one hundred and ten percent." I think you know, um, being very selective about the people who get to be in that inner circle is very important. Um, and then I think it's also wise to, like I mentioned earlier, there's a difference between taking risk just for risk sake and then taking a risk that is calculated. And sometimes our community can actually be a really positive influence in that process of getting there. Yeah. I've got a video that I've put out. Uh, I'm a um, huge believer in understanding your self-worth and confidence um, and self-love. And I've, I've produced a video that just talks about uh, some of my um, kind of big picture beliefs and the daily exercises that I choose. Um, and one of one of the big ones is um, to be ruthless in, and removing the negative people in your life. And so I'm curious though, because we're going to call this a luxury because it is a luxury, Aliyah, to have a family that doesn't fall into that category. But there's many photographers, there's many people that are listening that that's not the case. That um, mom and dad, it's not necessarily a safe place. It's not an encouraging place. Um, And so uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are on how would you have approached that differently if um, there was a member of your family uh, and we could go the route of a parent if we need to continue this little anal- or, or uh, role play here. But like, how would you approach it if they weren't in your camp, if they weren't, if they weren't someone um, that uh, believed the best in you? Um, I would say, well, first of all, I think we all need those people in our life. Now they may, we might wish that that was mom and dad and maybe it's not mom and dad. Um, maybe uh, just to be clear, the people in your life are the the ones who believe in you, correct? Right. Yes. Okay. Um, just to be clear. I, so like when I think of family, I don't necessarily, I come from a family that there's adoption and there's like no bloodlines. And so when I think of family, I just think of the people that are in my inner circle. Um, mm-hmm. and for, for some people, when they think of family, they just think of mom, dad, wife, kids. Um, for me, it's, it's the people who are behind you. And I think everybody needs those people. And it might not be mom and dad. We might wish that it was. And maybe maybe mom and dad aren't our biggest supporters. Um, I would say go find people who are and have those people in your corner. Because first and foremost, you need them. Um, and then second of all, 
believe in yourself. If, if you have asked questions, you've asked yourself the tough questions, you've planned this out, you've set a goal, you've envisioned the steps, you know you've done your homework, and you have done your due diligence, then you have nothing to be ashamed of. And I would just say, go prove them wrong. Yeah. I think too, a super practical thing here, and I see this mistake happening quite often, um, when dealing with that, like it's, it's a tricky thing because for some people, um, they're not so terrible in your life that it means completely removing them. Right. But that may be the case, right? Sometimes you actually need to completely remove ourselves, uh, from those people, whether they be brother, sister, mom, dad, biological or not. And you actually have to remove yourself, uh, from them in a, in a very, real cutoff way, but for oftentimes it's not that black and white, right? It's right. more like, uh, <laughs> there, there's like this gray area that, that for many times that we kind of fall into. And so my advice is rather than going to those gray areas, the people that, you know, you probably, um, should explain to them that you're deciding to live in your car in case they need to get in touch with you. Um, uh, but you know, it's, they're not the ones that are going to be fully rooting for you. My advice is this, um, go and have those conversations with the people that are rooting for you and then go do it. And then just tell the gray area people, tell, tell your mom and dad or that situation. It's what you've already done and don't ask for permission. Does that make sense? Rather Absolutely. than saying, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. I just wanted to let you know, no, don't do that because then you're going to get all of the objections and you're going to get all of the negativity and it's going to weigh on you. And because these people hold significance in your life, because they do, uh, it's going to cause, um, some destruction. And so instead do it, go and do it right. Surround yourself with the people who are going to encourage you and lift up your dreams, go and do it and then go tell them what you've done. Right. Just tell them, hey, this is what I've done. And now any objection? Nope, it's out the door. I've already done it, right? I've already done it. That's right. my advice. I, absolutely. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And actually, I did not. There was a large group of people that I did not tell for, I want to say, maybe three or four months into this experiment that I was doing this. Uh, one of them was... But she was my boss at the time. And not that she's a negative person, because she's not. She's wildly positive. But I just... I just didn't know what she would think. And I didn't, I didn't want it to affect me professionally. And I didn't want, I just wasn't sure how she would respond. And so I didn't tell her. Um, and we'd actually been friends for about six years. And then I remember the day that she found out and she said, you've been doing what for how long? Um, but at that point it was already working. I was already having success. And, and so, um, even if she had skepticism about it, 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 she couldn't really live in that place because it was already proving to be a positive experience. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I think it's, I think it is something that's, uh, I mean, to set a dream, to set a goal so big, uh, in your life and in your world that other people would look at it and be like, you're crazy. I think that's when we're onto something, right? I think mm -hmm. that's when we're actually going to start moving the needle and doing something big for ourselves. Um, because I, I think if you have that speculation, like, oh man, what are people going to think? you're probably onto something, right? Can I encourage you out there? If you have that hesitation in your mind, if, you're, if your lizard brain wants you to be comfortable and wants you to be stagnant and to be average and okay, and if it's telling you, hey, maybe you shouldn't do this, it might just be a cue 
that it's the direct uh, thing that you should you should be doing, right? It's like whenever I get, um, I, I'm very in tune with with um, with my mind and with the responses that my body gives me. And whenever I start to get nervous and my hands start to sweat a little bit and my heart starts to be a little faster, I actually know that I'm on to something. I know that if I'm scared and if I'm fearful and if I'm anxious, I'm a little, if I'm a little bit nervous, then it's probably the direction that I should continue to head um, because at the very least, I'm going to grow from it, right? Um, and so anyhow, fight or flight. Fight or flight was great when you know there were dinosaurs and saber-toothed tigers and things <laughs> that could kill you. Um, fight or flight was really great. And now it's kind of, it's changed a little bit. It's changed a little bit. And I think there's opportunities that you can use to leverage it. We should, uh, we should dedicate a whole podcast episode to that. Oh, yeah. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> So let me ask you this. How are you different now than you were uh, when you started this whole thing? Um, I am a lot more sure of myself and my capabilities and that I am smart and I do have something to offer and not everything that I do fails. Um, you know, that's me actually being very vulnerable with, a, you know, a fear of mine. I think we all are afraid of failure, but um you know, a lot of people from a distance might look at me and think, oh, that's a really brave, courageous girl over there. People who know me really intimately well know that I struggle with fear in a big way. And I have for a lot of my life. Um, but by doing this, stepping out into it, planning it and then being successful at it now going forward, um, I am just that much more confident that I can do anything that I want to do. I just have to figure out how. <laughs> yeah. Can I challenge you on something real quick? Mm -hmm. um, I, you've, you've been using this phrase, and I'm curious if you're using this phrase um, as, uh, as an ability to kind of be let off the hook or as an ability to make it seem like something that is a little bit different than what it is or more socially acceptable. Um, so here we go. You've been, you've been kind of describing... Uh, this choice that you've made as an experiment. I'm really curious, Aaliyah, is this, I mean, is this no longer an experiment? Uh, you know, that's interesting. I, I hadn't actually picked up on that. I think I used that phrase just because it started out that way. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, I don't think, I don't think this is going away ever. I think that has been really in the past few months, um, something that I'm starting to accept about myself and I'm learning that, okay, anybody who comes into my life has to be okay with this part. Um, yeah. and, and there's a risk with that too, because there might be some people and there actually have been not many, but there've been a couple of people who just don't get it. And then therefore want nothing to do with me. Um, yeah. and, and that, that has to be okay. You know, because yeah. I want I want this lifestyle more than I want those kinds of people in my life, if that makes sense. So, yeah, the experiment part is is gone. I've I've um, this is just a part of who I am now. I love it. Own that. Own that. I love it. Own it. <laughs> right. That's so good. Um, Ilya, thank you so much for talking with me. Um, this has been a really kind of fascinating conversation. And, and I think, uh, I want to, I want to give, I want to give the audience a takeaway because I don't obviously think the takeaway is, uh, photographers go live in your car, but I think there's something to be learned from this. And, and I want to kind of give, uh, give a takeaway. Ilya, what would that be? I think there's a couple. I think one, uh, confronting fears, figuring out what it is that you really want and then counting the cost for that, counting the cost of how to get there because anything that we want is going to cost us something. Figure out what that cost is and then go for it. 
Yes, reverse engineer. Figure out what makes you happy. Figure out your dreams. Actually set it to paper. What do you want to accomplish? Uh, And then you have to reverse engineer. What is it going to take to get there? What's it going to take? Because for me, just to be clear, once again, I don't get up at 4.30 in the morning just to brag about it. I get up because I want to get home at 4.30 p.m. I want to go spend time with my daughter. I don't want to be rolling in at 8 p.m. I don't want to be on my laptop all night long. I want to be present with my family, and yet I want to move the needle. I want to grow my business, and so I recognized what it was going to take uh, to get there uh, as an example. So I love that. What, you had one more for me. What was it, Aaliyah? I had one more. Did I? Uh, I think you said there was two, but that's okay. I love what you left off with. Let's, <laughs> let's not overwhelm with uh, too many choices, too much indecision occurs. I mean, I could talk choices. about this for hours and give oh, you, know like, you 10 takeaways if you want. But <laughs> <laughs> No, that's great. That's great. Recognize what you want in life. Confront the fears. What's it going to take to actually get there? What are you going to have to sacrifice to get there? Mm-hmm. What's going to have to go away? You guys, something's going to give. What's it going to take? Um, I love it. Ilea, where can people find you? Where can people journey along with you as you continue with this life choice, not an experiment, but with this choice? (laughs) (laughs) A couple places. Um, I do have a YouTube channel. If you just type my name in, it's uh, E-I-L-E-A-H. I I will pop up. And uh, I also have an Instagram at eowning. Um, and then a Facebook under uh, Big Minimalist, actually. We, we tried to maybe make a, a title for this whole thing. Uh, Big City Minimalist, actually, is what it's called. So I don't know if I'll stick with that. But you can find me any number of those ways. I'm on all the social medias. So I love it. Keep the personal brand going. I love it. Um, Ilea, thank you so much. This has been a, an incredible conversation. Um, let's, let's, let's get coffee. Let's get lunch. You're like, you're right along. Let's get lunch today. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ilea, thanks, girl. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much, Aaliyah. You guys, I hope you took away something great from that. Recognize your goals. Recognize what's in your way. What's stopping you and overcome those fears. Take that leap, you guys. It's it's calculated risk. It's not risk for risk's sake. I just want to encourage you guys that you can do it. Like whatever it is in your life, like you, let me be that voice in your ear to let you know that you can do it. Please tune in every single week, but you don't have to wait for the podcast. I'm live Monday through Friday over on Facebook, the Six Figure Photography Facebook page, helping to show up every day for you guys to give you that extra push of motivation, direction, inspiration to show you that I'm on the other side of the world in this situation with Ilea on the other side uh, of our small little uh, city here, Columbus, Ohio, putting in the work, showing up every day, right? I want to be there for you guys. Let me do that for you. Thank you so much again for listening. If this has been an episode that you've enjoyed, if you've enjoyed uh, what we've been able to do here at SFP, could you do me a favor? Could you please hop over on iTunes? I'll, I'll drop a link in the show notes and leave me a review. I read every single one. I want you guys to know that every email I receive, every Facebook message, every review, I read and I value and it means the world to me. Uh, it just encourages me to let me know that I should keep doing what I'm doing. So please, I would, I would deeply, deeply appreciate that. You guys, thank you so much. Keep working hard. Uh, keep growing your business. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Cheers.